my name is Temba, and I am from many places. I'm from Zambia, I'm from Zimbabwe, I'm from East Germany, and I'm currently from South Africa. So those are all the different countries that I've had the privilege of living in over the course of my life. And um, my job this morning is to minister the Word of God. Are you ready? Um, And it would be appropriate and right for me to start off by again just echoing what's been resounding so well in our thankfulness as an outreach internship team to this amazing church. Please give yourselves a hand. And to the interns, I think one of my favorite quotes for the last two weeks has been a quote from evangelist Rale Kolela. And he said this, I haven't done nothing for God yet. Amen. May we stay hungry. May we go back to our cities, our campuses, and our countries hungry. Amen. For more of what God wants to do. Amen and amen. Father, I pray that as I minister this morning, you will come and do what only you can do. Come and fill this place with your presence, your glory. We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough in people's lives, healing, salvation, deliverance, the full deal. Thank you that you don't just give us a half loaf, but you give us the whole loaf. In Jesus' name, amen. The topic that I have for you this morning comes out of Luke chapter 19. Please turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to your smartphone. Just promise not to go on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp. And you'll find me in Luke chapter 19. The title for the sermon this morning is, The Gospel Works. The Gospel Works. It was G.K. Chesterton, a famous British philosopher, who said that often Christianity is not tried and found wanting, but rather tried and found difficult and then left untried. I love that quote because the reality is that if we will apply the Word of God to our lives, our lives will change. Let me put it this way, our lives must change. Amen? And so often we forget the work of God, the work that God has so deliberately done, even here in this room. The only sermon this morning is not the one coming from the front right now. But I hope you've been hearing the voice of God through the the music and song. I, I hope you've been hearing and attentive to the voice of God through the people around you. Because God speaks, God reaches out to us and reminds us. That the gospel works. I want to give you a little example. Can we do that? Are you guys ready? 
I know you're, tr- you're expecting church as usual, but can we like just change these a little, little? Is that okay? Now, if over the last two weeks, God has healed you in any way, can I ask you to stand up, please? In the last two weeks, if God has healed your body in any way, in any way, wow, 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 just remain standing, remain standing. Now, if you're here in this building this morning, and over the course of your life, you've had an undeniable healing miracle that God has done and performed in your life, please stand. I remember I used to suffer from asthma. God healed me of asthma. Oh wow, look at this. Look at this. Those people whose lives have been changed by God. God is into the life change business. Amen. And the gospel works. Amen. So now, I want you to hear, not just from this one testimony and one preacher this morning, but I want you to hear from these who are standing. Okay, and we're going to go very quick. Are you ready for very quick? Okay. I want you to hear from them what conditions God healed them from. Okay. Are you ready? So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to be super quick. Everyone say super quick. Okay. And so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to rush past these people. What am I going to do? So you need to be praying for speed. Amen? Because I used to be built for speed. Now I'm built for comfort. So I'm going to rush past. And I want you to just say the condition. Okay? And, and in case you're wondering, I'll greet everyone in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen for you. Okay? No, you don't, no long story. Just condition. And we know that's what you're healed from. Okay? Here we go. Heart pains and alignment. Heart pains and alignment. Broken heart. Broken heart. Anxiety. Sickness. Ulcers and pain. Brokenness. Heart and anemia. Nose bleeds and migraines. Wisdom tooth. Depression. Collapsed lungs. Acute pain in my right foot. My joints. Depression. Anxiety. Stress. Self-condemnation. Unforgiveness, low blood pressure, the list is endless. <laughs> anxiety and perfectionism. Celiac disease, anxiety. Allergic rhinitis, PMS. Broken heart. Chronic uticaria. Migraines and depression. Unforgiveness and temptation. A new problem. A chronic ailment. Asthma. Abdominal pain. Doubt and fear. Car accident. Uh, depression. Stress. <laughs> Constipation. Amen. Are you guys hearing? Knee. Anxiety. Anxiety. Anger and brokenness. 
full-blown AIDS and HIV. Fear and candida. Headaches, earaches, toothaches, backaches. <laughs> um, neck pain. Nosebleed and anemia. Chest pain and being too strong. Scoliosis. Headache and ear pain. God changed my mind about evangelism. <laughs> um, neck pain and unforgiveness. Back pain and low self-esteem. Chronic stupidity. <laughs> uh, I guess two I would give is depression and lupus. Inflammated thyroid. Nephropathy. Come on. Shortness of breath, fear of man, anemia. Come on. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Oh. Emptiness, joint pain, doubts, and fear. Guys, I'm praying for me to run. Eczema, anxiety, and bladder pain. Yeah, hey, come on. Chronic abdominal pain. Spiritual attacks, bad dreams. I'm a pupa man. I'm a satan. Anxiety and anemia. Chronic urinary infection. Anger and depression. Uh, migraines and perfectionism. Asthma and anxiety. Car accidents and depression. Abdominal pain. Overinsist. Financial brokenness and sports injury. Pains. Herniated disc. Crime, gangsterism, and aggression. Severe, severe acne. CP and pneumonia. Bipolar and HIV. Broken heart. Ribcage inflammation, Nachman, and um, heartbreak. Heartbreak and depression. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Is that, are you standing? <laughs> um, backache, spirit of rejection, and lack. Come on. Uh, knee injury and uh, unteachable mind. Awesome. Okay, who else is standing? Okay, we're here in the corner. Olympic race. You can do this. Fear and depression. Um, abuse, false identity, and pneumonia. Amen. So, the gospel works. It's great that God can heal other people, can save other people, can put other people back together. But you know what the good news is? And that's what the word gospel means. The good news is that God wants to do it in your life too. And I want, to, I want to give you just a very quick example. If you have in your body any of those conditions that were mentioned, any of them, and you're sitting here this morning, I want you to stand up. We're going to pray for healing for you too. Right now. Okay? 
any of those things that were mentioned. Any of them. Doesn't matter how long you've had the condition for. It doesn't matter what the doctors told you. It doesn't matter any of those conditions. I want you to stand right now. Because as a community of God, we want you to know that this Jesus works. The Bible says Jesus was the same, is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And He's alive. So can I ask those around them just to stretch out your hands. And we're going to pray right now for you. Father, we ask that you heal these bodies right now. In Jesus' mighty name. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity. And we command healing. Thank you, Father. You are so awesome. You are so great. And you love us all. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want you to check your body to see if you're better. If you were in pain right now or if you had a, um, a, a condition where you can discern immediately uh, whether the healing has taken place. I want you to check your body right now. I want you to check it out. I want you to see, like, you know, what's happened. Okay? Check it out. Don't worry. It's okay. Check it out. Don't worry. The sermon's not long. This is the sermon. Let's check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Okay? Who's feeling better? Can you stand up, please? And we just prayed for you, feeling better. Come on, praise God. Amen. Who else? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Now, if we prayed for you and you still need that healing, we won't pray for you again. But let's pray for you at the end of the service. We've got people who will be here up at the front. But what I'm just simply trying to demonstrate is that the gospel works. That the gospel is powerful. Amen. In fact, the Bible says this. It even declares about itself. It says that I'm not ashamed. This is what Paul was writing. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes it. Amen. Great. Let's dive into Luke chapter 19. How many hours do I have? (laughs) Just three. Okay. Then Jesus entered... And passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. Everyone say rich. Rich. Now we've got to understand the context of this scripture. Now, it mentions a character called Zacchaeus. And it says about Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, in our day and age, if someone was working for SARS, it wouldn't be so much of a problem, right? We wouldn't wouldn't think twice. We'd move quickly to the next point. But the reason for the Bible describing who he is is for one major reason. You see, when the Romans would invade a city, they would take time to find just the right person who could help them to get taxed from the city they just conquered. Because they knew if they put a Roman citizen in charge of the tax collection, they wouldn't understand how the economy was working and who was rich and who wasn't rich, who had money and who didn't have money. So they looked for an insider to the culture. 
They looked for someone within the culture who would be willing to tell on their own people. They were looking for someone who was willing to sell out their own in order to pay the Romans. Now, this is how it worked. So the Romans would find this person, and in this case it was Zacchaeus. And they say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, we would like to ask you to do the following for us. Number one, we want you to raise tax from your own people. So imagine this person either loved money a lot or hated their people a lot. Amen? So Zacchaeus, the Bible unpacks this tax collector. But what we understand about tax collecting is the following. They would give him Roman soldiers to help him with tax collection. So every time he'd go and knock on a door and say, where is the tax? And people said, we don't have it. The Roman soldiers were there to apply appropriate pressure until the person paid. He was a tax collector. The Bible says not only was he a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. So we understand that he was good at his job. So much so that he was promoted to the highest level. He was good at extorting and oppressing his own people. Now, the Bible says he was very rich. How did a tax collector become very rich? Well, this is what the Romans did. They set up the system. So they put it this way. They'll say to the tax collector, Zacchaeus, this is how much tax we want. We want, let's use a number. We want 10 million rand tax every month from this city. Whatever you can make over and above that is yours to keep. So the Bible says, not only was he a tax collector, but he was a very rich chief tax collector. So he was notorious for oppressing his own people for his own gain. And again, I don't know what drove Zacchaeus to turn on his own people. I don't know whether it was the rejection that he felt from his people. I don't know if it was maybe like you and me. Maybe he just wanted to get ahead in life. Maybe like you and me, maybe he just wanted to climb the corporate ladder. Maybe like you and me, he just wanted to buy one more car, one more house. Maybe like you and me, it was a tight end of the month. When the Roman officials came and placed the offer he could not refuse. I don't know what made him a corrupt government official. But, that is who he was. Zacchaeus. Now it's interesting to know that in Jesus' group of disciples that followed him, one of them, Matthew, was a tax collector. So maybe he had heard something about Jesus who had allowed one of his fellow tax collectors to become a follower. 
Maybe he heard a story of what God had done in someone else's life and it made him curious about what God could do in his life. So we see here Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. You know what the name Zacchaeus means? The name Zacchaeus means innocent. Wow. Wow. Have you ever lived below the expectations that other people have of you? Have you ever done stuff that you are ashamed of? And your very own name is a reminder daily of your failings. This is Zacchaeus. Verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Ah. Maybe this is the root of his problem. Maybe he had too many lindos in his life. The whole world. (laughs) I'm a short person. But I'm sure Zacchaeus was shorter. (laughs) And you know the amazing thing about being short is that if you do not check yourself, you can develop, develop short man syndrome. And there's no more eloquent example of this than in Shrek, part one. There's a beautiful character there. In fact, they mistreated him. In fact, I wrote a letter complaining about how they oppressed the minority group of short people in this movie. And if you remember one marginalized character in the movie, King Farquhar. Now, for those of you who aren't short, you must probably miss that part of the movie. For us short people, it's traumatic. There were all these short jokes they kept telling the whole way through the movie. Everyone was laughing at us. Thought about becoming a tax collector. <laughs> it's interesting that the Bible says that he was short. I don't know what your shortcomings are in life. Maybe it's not your physical stature. Maybe it's the background that you grew up in. But often when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we're always aware of our shortcomings in life. But right here in verse 3, there's a powerful part because it says, He sought to see who Jesus was. When you double click on that word see in the Greek, that word see in the Greek means to look with a desire to understand. To look with a desire to have insight. So when he looked for Jesus, he desired to figure out who is this Jesus. 
You might be here this morning and your desire for coming to church wasn't just to have an awesome experience where we will worship, but to come a little bit closer and maybe investigate again for yourself, who is Jesus? Why is he such a big deal? And so he came a little bit closer to see who Jesus was. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. You see, I would be doubly disadvantaged. One, I'd be short. Two, I can't climb trees. So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, Jesus. For he was going to pass by that way. So Jesus is coming into town and he's moving along with the crowd around him. And Zacchaeus wants to see and understand for himself, is it true? Maybe he wasn't really wanting to see Jesus. Maybe he was looking for Matthew. Someone like him. Maybe he was saying like, you know, if it's true that Jesus is walking by and Matthew can follow, Matthew can get close, maybe there's hope for me. So he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. For it's going to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, Where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Wow. So here in verse 5, the Bible says, when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. You know, when you double click on that Word, he looked up and he saw him. It's exactly the same word as a few verses before. So when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he looked at Zacchaeus. He understood Zacchaeus. He had insight into his life. Often, we're looking for God. But the wonder and the good news is that God is looking for you. So often we try to reach up and grab God, but God is reaching down to grab us. Wow. Wow. And Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus. Now I don't know if Jesus knew his name because he had a word of knowledge, he had supernatural insights. I don't know if he said his name because uh, as a corrupt government official, he had been in the Sunday Times enough times for Jesus to recognize that this is the guy. I don't know if Matthew, one of the tax collectors, had leaned over to Jesus and said, Hey, there's my old boss. I don't know how Jesus got the name Zacchaeus. But what happens next is the drama of the story. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, Quickly, come down from the tree. Today I want to go to your house. Now, in the Jewish culture, when you said you wanted to go to someone's house, it was the ultimate statement of friendship and relationship. So Jesus said to this corrupt government official, to this chief tax collector who was very rich, Today, I want to come to your house. 
You know, so often we look at our shortcomings, all the things we've got going wrong for us. But today the good news is this, Jesus wants to come to your house. Jesus wants to come to your life. Verse 6. After Jesus made this invitation, Zacchaeus moved with great haste and came down and received him joyfully. He said, oh Jesus, you're you're inviting yourself to my house. That is awesome. And he was so excited. You know one of the most incredible joys in life? is when we realize that Jesus wants to be friends with us. You know, the first commandment is this. Love the Lord your God. It's not obey the Lord your God. It is not serve the Lord your God. It is love the Lord your God. I always wonder, why didn't, this, why didn't Jesus just say, the first commandment is this. That you would obey the Lord your God. Because that would be true. We need to obey God. If he said you need to serve the Lord your God, it would be true. We need to serve God. But the first commandment is love the Lord your God. Because God is interested in a love relationship with us more than in what we can do for him. Even before we even do anything, he wants to just love us. And in 1 John, the Bible gives us the secret to loving God. It says this, that we love God because He first loved us. Ow! We love God. Why? Because we started to understand the great love that He had for us. Zacchaeus was in the tree. Most probably fearful of these people that he'd been stealing from all his life, or at least for many years. Trying to find a place of refuge from the crowd. And in that very place, Jesus reaches out and says, I see you, I understand you. But more than that, I want a relationship with you. Verse 7. But when they saw it, they all complained. Saying, how? Jesus. Jesus has gone to be a guest with Zacchaeus, a sinner. Now, you need to understand again the Jewish mindset. In the Jewish laws that the rabbis would write to help people walk in the ways of God, they said this, they said that you can, you can lie to a tax collector. Because a tax collector is an animal. Because anyone who do that to their own people is an animal. So you are allowed to lie to a tax collector because they are an animal. And it's not a sin to lie to an animal. I mean, talk about Facebook friends. My goodness. Oh yeah, you guys don't have the same Facebook friends? You know, like, you know? They say like, two, two, two. Nice weather in Deben. Pow. Threads. Why are you in Deben? 
Why are you not into, why are, why are you exalting those with good weather above those who have got bad weather? You are weatherist. And you know, <laughs> and before you know it, <laughs> I don't know, but have you got your very own Simon Cowles? Simon Cowles, this character from which series on TV? X Factor, Idols, America's Got Talent. Now, Simon Cow is the one who's always saying, you're not good enough. His role in life, he's famous for telling people they're not good enough. Do you have your very own Simon Cows? Who no matter how hard you try to perform, they're always going to be the haters. They're always going to be the ones nah. You know, they were singing. But, but, you know, I mean, it was mostly good. But, you know, when they got to that part of the song... You know, they didn't do it quite the same way, you know, like like Beyonce, you know, like and and and, and they, they always find something wrong. They always remind you of your faults. You know, I, I, I've got people in my world. You, I, I, you can't tell from the back because I look so youthful, but I'm getting old. I was at university over 20 years ago, and there's still people who relate to me this, this day. As if I was still at university 20 years ago. They're like, yeah, Timber, you dot, dot, dot. I'm like, dude, 20 years, get out of the twilight zone, somebody. <laughs> but there are people in our lives who remind us of all the things that are going wrong. And I want to be so bold as to say this, that they are unknowingly being the voice of the devil in your life. The Bible says that the devil is known as the accuser of the brethren. His primary function is to show you where things are going wrong in your life. And he'll use people and situations to convince you that there's no hope for you. Do you have your own very personal Simon Cows? Who come and tell you lies that, hey, God healed all these people. Yo, but your condition, hmm... Your condition, look, look, look. Even three, four people mentioned, but you, hey, God doesn't love you. That's the voice of the enemy. So they point out Zacchaeus is a sinner. And I don't know if a reporter from CNN was on the, on the scene and said, Jesus, you understand who Zacchaeus is? And then Jesus said, um, Zacchaeus, um, who, who is Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, Jesus. And Jesus like, oh, Zacchaeus is a... T-. And maybe Jesus hesitated for a moment. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> maybe he said, Zacchaeus, go back up the tree. <laughs> but Jesus didn't do that, did he? But... In the context of the accusation of the crowd. And it was true. He was a sinner. He was a tax collector. 
He was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He had stolen. He had cheated. He had lied. It's all true. But in this moment where he experienced the love of God, where he experienced Jesus reaching out for relationship with him, the next part of this is so instructive. Zacchaeus then says, he stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it four times over. So in this moment where he, he, he's, he's caught between the tension of who he is and who he wants to be, and the reality of Jesus wanting a relationship with him, he makes a decision to choose. And he chooses Jesus. You know why the gospel works? It's because in the tension of who we used to be and who we want to be, we choose Jesus. And we choose Him. 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 That's how our lives change. That is the power of the gospel. So He chooses Jesus. And verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today, Zacchaeus, Salvation has come to your house. We all want salvation to come to our lives. But the way salvation comes to our lives is by us saying yes to Jesus. Money had been an idol in Zacchaeus' life. An idol is anything that you put in the place of God. An idol is anything that you look to as your savior. As your protector over and above God in heaven. And money was his savior. Money was his protector. Money, money is what gave him his value. Money was his idol. But in this place, he chose to give up money so that he could get Jesus. And when he did that, Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to your house. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come. That word salvation, we throw it around so much. But it's a rich word. And when you double click on the word salvation, you understand the word salvation is the Greek word soteria. And soteria means this, deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, happiness, rescue, general well-being in every area of your life. You see, when you get Jesus, you get everything. When you get Jesus, you get everything. The problem in the church today is that people want everything and they don't want Jesus. And they come to church and wonder why they're so frustrated. Because you're chasing the wrong things. Oh, I'm just a church because I want a little, a little prosperity. I want, a, I want a little deliverance. I want to get better in life. I want to be successful. But if you want all of those things, it's found in the person of Jesus. And being in a relationship with Jesus. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you the truth. The gospel works, but you have to respond. The gospel works, but you have to respond the right way. How are you going to respond? What have you been holding on to instead of holding on to Christ? You need to respond. It's not enough to be hanging around church and, and, and to be hanging around God's people. You need to choose Jesus yourself. You need to make room for Him in your home. Oh, the word home. 
When you double click on that word, it's the word oikos. And it means, and it means not just salvation has come to you, Zacchaeus. But that opportunity now becomes extended throughout your relational network. Throughout all the people you know, because they see what I'm going to do in your life, this opportunity opens the door for others to also come into relationship with me. When I got saved, my brother got saved. My other brother got saved. My mother got saved. My father got saved. Relatives got saved. Friends got saved. When I got saved, when I said yes to Jesus, it became an opportunity for others to see that His reality in my life. Are you going to say yes to Jesus? Are you going to respond to Jesus? Let me go to the last slide and then we close. Have I got two minutes? Let me talk about the change agents in this chapter. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The mission of Jesus is not to those who have got it all together. The mission of Jesus is to those who realize their shortcomings and their need for God. In this passage, I see five change agents. And you need these change agents in your life to break out of a Christianity that doesn't work into a Christianity that does work. Number one is you need to proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord. The word Lord means that he's in charge. When Zacchaeus turned to Jesus, he said, Lord. And that word Lord means master, owner, controller. You are now boss of my life. Is Jesus boss of your life? I was a Christian for many years trying to do an independent 50-50. Well, some of you are too old for that song. It's fine. (laughs) Guys, remember when I was young, that song was... But I was trying to do like this, this joint partnership with Jesus. 50-50 partners. God, I want you, but I also want my life. But his deal is 100% zero or nothing. That's real Christianity. If you want a Christianity that works, you've got to give up yourself and say yes to him. Do I hear a yes? Number two, you've got to repent. And repent is that moment where Zacchaeus chose Jesus over money. I don't know what your shortcoming is, but you need to repent. And repent means to choose Jesus over dot, dot, dot. I don't know what your dot, dot, dot is, but you need to choose Jesus. Do I hear a yes to people wanting to repent this morning? The third change agent is a relationship. Christianity is not a mental construct, a theological construct. It's a relationship. Jesus wants a relationship with us where we hear his voice, where we talk back to him and we hear him speaking to us. He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't just want to give you stuff. He wants you. There's a famous story of uh, Billy Graham going to the richest man in the world at the time and he owned many ships. And he looked at Billy Graham and and he said, Oh, Billy, I'm wanting to give something to God. I want to give God one of my ships. 
Now, ships are worth millions and millions and millions and millions of rand. But Billy Graham looks at this guy and he says, I'm sorry, sir, but Jesus doesn't want one of your ships. Oh, the man was offended. He said, well, doesn't he understand how, how, how expensive this is? Maybe should I, I should explain to him just how much a ship is worth. But in exactly that moment, Billy Graham continues and says, He doesn't want one of your ships. He wants you. Because when he has you, he has all of your ships. Let's not try and do deals with God. Christianity that works is Christianity where we say yes to relationship with him. On his terms, not our terms. Do I hear a yes with that point? Change agent number four is community. Is community. If you want to make it in the Christian life, you need to be in a church. You need to be around other believers. If you are not plugged into a church, this is a good one. I highly recommend it. There's a place where people can look after you. There's a place where people can help you grow in your relationship with God. You'll hear the words discipleship or foundations class as it was called this morning. And foundations class or foundations connect group is an opportunity for you to get into a place where you can start to build relationships and start to grow. As I said, I've been a Christian for 10 years, playing a Christian game. But when I came into a relationship with God and my life started to change, I found other believers who were passionate about Him. I I can't explain to you the exponential growth that happened when I got around other Christians. And finally, we've got to get with God's purpose. We've got to get with God's purpose. What is God's purpose? God is all about seeking and saving those who are lost. Theologically, some people say, oh, no, no, that, that scripture, it, it doesn't say, say only like those who are lost. It's really about that which is lost because God is interested in, in, in society, in reforming and changing society. So, so his primary mission is the change of society, not, not a salvation mission. Now, if you ever hear that, the person has just broken the first rule of biblical interpretation. In context, in context, in context. And the context is the salvation of one person. And Jesus says, this is the reason I came. To seek and save those who are lost. God is into the salvation of people because when people change, society changes. It's not the other way around. When people change, society changes. We can't be running around and running for mayor and thinking that because I'm running for mayor, I'm, I'm like doing Jesus' will. Are you changing the lives of people? Are you preaching the gospel to them? Yes, run for mayor, but preach the gospel too. Because only the gospel that's eternal, permanent change in their lives. Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you that this is a place, Lord. This is going to be a house that seeks and saves the lost. There's going to be a house, Lord, that goes after the one, that looks for the people up on the tree, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that breakthrough is here, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Thank you for those who've been saved, Lord. We pray, Lord, they'll be added, that they'll grow in this place, in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory for what you've done over the last two weeks. But now, this is not just an advert. 
This sermon is not just an advert, it's an invitation, your own custom-made invitation. What God did for Zacchaeus, what God has done for your friends, what God has done for others around, He wants to do it for you. If you're here this morning and you're far from God, but you want to come closer, you want to say, God, here I am. Just like Zacchaeus responded, I want to choose you. I want to choose you this morning. If you're here this morning and say, Temba, that's me. I want to choose Jesus. Can I ask you to raise your hand where you are? If you say, Temba, I want to choose Jesus this morning. I want to make that decision that Jesus is more important than the world and lifestyle that I'm living in. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Who's that here? Just raise your hand where you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus sees you. Jesus hears you. And he extends the invitation. The question is, will you respond? Will you say yes? There's a gentleman here this morning. And the Lord is saying that the battle you're feeling in your heart right now can end the peace that you're looking for you can find in him last night you're lying on your bed and you're crying out to God saying God when will this stop the Lord is saying to you right now that it'll stop here today but you must choose him If that's you, I want you to raise your hand where you are right now. I say, Temba, pray for me. another person here and in your family there's someone who's got their right leg is crippled and you've always asked the question God can't be real if he won't heal this person's right leg been a source of frustration and pain not just for you but for the person involved but God wants you to know that if you have him you get everything but you need to say yes to him God sees you 
God understands you. And the work God does in your life, He wants to extend even to that relative. And I see clearly it's a crippled right leg. And if that's you, and say, God, I'll say yes to you. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. And say, that's me, Timber. I want God. Oh, in a moment. Today, salvation wants to come to your house. God wants to do a work in you so I can do a work through you. Who is that person? Raise your hand. Just wave it at me. Thank you. Don't put your hand down. I'll just have a tug of the Spirit for just one more person. God wants you to know that He sees you. He knows you. You're here this morning and you've been building your life on your mental faculties. You're very bright, you're very intelligent and in fact two things you know are true. One, you were a straight A student until a certain event happened. And they started to struggle with your grades after that event. God wants to save you and heal and restore your mind. If that's you, raise your hand where you are. I say, Timber, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Could I ask all those who've raised their hands for these three specific words to come forward and I'd love to pray with you. Come on church, encourage them as they come forward. Let's come forward, come on. thank you for these awesome people and Father I thank you that you do a life in them to do a life through them and today Lord even as they say yes to you you know what's going in their hearts Lord and I pray Lord God that they'll draw close to you in relationship Lord Father I thank you Lord God for breakthrough in their lives Father I thank you Lord God for breakthrough in Jesus name that you restore Lord God even what the locusts have stolen, Lord God. They restore, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Lord. I proclaim a new day. I proclaim fresh hope. Never to be the same again. Father, I thank you that you assure your children, Lord, that you know them, that you see them, that you hear them, that you're with them. And I bless them in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you. If you're here this morning and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He sees you and He knows you. And I want to invite you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. We're going to end the service off now. Linda, who's covering Mac? Who do I hand to? Okay, here we go. Well, Sebong, can we give God a big hand?